Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another podcast episode and uh, fortunately a repeat guest. Uh, Tori Fox is here, a wedding and portrait photographer from the California, more specifically the San Francisco Bay Area. And Tori was on episode 60 about a year and a half, almost two years ago, actually. Tori, thank you so much for coming back to hang out with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me back. I'm I'm excited to chat with you again, Nathan. Well, and we were we were actually talking before I hit the record button. I, I think at some point we really are going to have to do like a pre pre recording, like special release of all the pre recording conversations that happen. But we were chatting about the fact that a lot has changed in your life, and in fact, much of this episode is going to be just about that: how you've made adjustments to your business and your brand with this change in your life. But since you and I have talked last, you both got married and had a little baby, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a very exciting time for me. I have an eight-week-old as of today. That's so, and, so great. And she's beautiful, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yes, she's going to be the most photographed baby of all time. <laughs> yeah, and I got married this past October. So yeah, most of my business is wedding and newborn. So I, I have a whole new perspective on all of that. And I'm, I'm in it right now. So I'm so excited to talk about it because changes are happening day to day. When you said you just recently with, within the last week or so shot your first wedding, kind of coming back from our entrepreneurial style maternity leave. And yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, you talk about your perspective being affected by getting married and then having a baby. Let's just take the wedding as an example. Did you, I don't know, maybe share in a, in a particular way that you saw that wedding differently after having gotten married yourself? Absolutely. So first of all, my wedding photographer was amazing. Like she did such a good job. She was just friendly and I had the best time with her and it really gave me a new perspective on how I approach wedding days. I used to be very mentally stressed out. Like I need to get all these shots as I'm sure we all are, but I don't know how much of the bride and groom I was thinking about. So now going forward, my number one is the bride and groom have a good time. Hmm. When I can see my bride and groom get a little, you know, stressed out, like, you know, it's cocktail hour and they want to join their cocktail hour. And I'm, you know, forcing them to get all these images that I think they have uh. to have. It's like, that isn't as important. What is number one important is that they enjoy their day. And can't, I mean, a lot of the people that come to me anyway, is like, oh, I love your candid photos, even though a lot of them are posed. But I, I just really try to feel out my bride and groom and make sure they're having the best time. And if they're having a great time taking photos, then we're going to take more couple photos. But if I only have those five minutes, then that's what they get. And that's their day. Every day is different. So that was a huge change for me. You know, and I like that this is, it seems to be a, a bit of a theme. I'm hearing this mentality more with our podcast guests, this idea of focusing more on the client, making sure they're taken care of versus putting in first place, their desires as an artist. Because I think we've all probably in one form or another seen, at least if we've been in the industry for a little bit, we've seen how photographers' egos get in the way of actually providing a really great service. And yeah, creating an image that that seems unique 
or making sure that that our business in some form or fashion gets notoriety or whatever the thing is that we want as an artist or as a business owner, those things can maybe have their place and they have their value. But at the end of the day, if we're not creating a really great experience or at least setting the tone for a great experience for our clients, it, the likelihood that we get referrals, uh, I think in many cases is less, right? Absolutely. And, and my business is mostly referral based. So they're their experience is huge. And going back to that, I do newborn photos too. I don't always shoot the newborn photos from, I didn't shoot their wedding prior. So I actually, a lot of times will ask my newborn clients like, Hey, how, how was your wedding experience? I do it a nice way, but so I get a lot of insight into how others shoot. And a lot of times I hear back like, Oh, we we took photos for so long. They took us for two hours. So yeah, I think experience is, is king. Experience. Yeah. And experience hopefully breeds perspective. And if we maintain an open mind, even if we've been in business for a while, there's something that we can learn or or fix, tweak, improve on. And that can help us provide, again, that same, that, that experience, the better experience for our clients, which is just, it's gold in the end. Um, we're, We're in a great place now in our, in 2019, where we have the technology that makes starting a business, even running a business relatively simple. Sure. There are, there are, maybe issues here and there, but compared to say 15 years ago or 20 years ago, it's actually relatively easy to start and run a business. So that actually frees us up to then focus on providing the best possible experience. Yeah. There may be thousands and thousands of photographers out there who are using the same Lightroom preset or Photoshop action or, you know, the same kind of pose or the frame it the same way or use this particular style of light or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, when it comes to one-on-one relationship with a client for providing an awesome experience for them, that is going to ultimately have or create momentum for our business that will drive business back to us, which I think is just so, so important to, to keep in mind. So I appreciate you starting us off with that. And I actually am curious. I mean, we've, it's been, like I mentioned earlier, close to two years, about a year and a half to two years since we last chatted. Has anything changed about your photography business's brand position or the unique selling point of your photography business since we talked? Yeah. So I, I definitely do different things that like, I I don't shoot as many weddings as I used to a huge part of my business now, like I said, is the newborns and maternity. But I I think my brand position has always kind of stayed the same. And that is just timeless images. I'm, I'm telling the story of my clients through timeless images. And that's never really changed my, my consistency in the images that I produce has, has stayed the same. And I think that's why my word of mouth business is so huge, because no matter what I'm doing, it's kind of always the same caliber. So just beautiful images. I know that sounds so, so simple, but, um, I don't, I don't do a lot of branding. I don't pay for advertising and I am, I have to turn away shoots. I'm so busy. So that's awesome. um, it's about, it's about the images. That's what we do. And I just keep it really simple. I don't put a lot of my personal life online. It's just about beautiful images. I even last year stopped I stopped writing Instagram captions. Really funny. My my husband's also a photographer and I would I think like probably around the time we chatted, I would post something on Instagram and I I do this long caption and my husband would look at it and read it back to me and he's like that is so fake. Like you wouldn't say that. Um so now what I do is I just keep it really simple. I get as much content out there as I can and that way I don't offend anyone. Like if I post a photo and I I say, oh, the most amazing couple I've ever photographed. It's like, well, that's not fair to the last couple that I photographed. So um, I just let the images speak for themselves. Well, and they do, I have to say. So first of all, I have your Instagram account pulled up here. And you talked about consistency and timelessness. I mean, you know, 
honestly, timelessness, I think that's a word that maybe we used to hear in the industry a little bit more, say, 15, 20 years ago. Um, not something that you hear as much anymore. And so there, there might be something there that you could, like if you ever wanted to come up with a marketing campaign or a branding campaign, an opportunity to talk about that very thing. And, and there is a timelessness to your imagery. And for those of you listening in, you want to see Tori's work, if you go to Instagram.com slash Tori, T-O-R-R-E-Y Fox, and we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com, uh, you can actually see this work. And it, and it really is, Tori, I mean, to your your credit, just consistent, it's beautiful, uh, and, and it's in the way that you're not only framing the images, but your use of light, it's consistent and it's processing. It's not over-processed. And there's something to be said for that. And and so again, for those of you listening, go check out, check this out. If you go to bookapodcast.com, we'll link to Tori's Instagram in the show notes. You can also look at her website. It's torifox.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well. And if I didn't already mention this, Tori was with the book or was here on the Boca podcast back in episode 60. We talked about the significance of failure and we'll link to that episode in the show notes as well. But um, thanks for, for sharing a little bit about where your brand is at at the moment. Talk to us a little bit about the most important piece of advice that you would be apt to share with a photographer if you had just a few seconds. Yeah. So my biggest piece of advice is show the work that you want to be shooting. I know we hear that time and time again, but it's so important. Like I'll do a shoot that, you know, I think is beautiful. It's captured beautifully, but they may be wearing something or it might be in a location that I don't want to go back to. And I'm really particular about what I show online. Um, and I've really noticed in the last, in the last year that almost every shoot now that I go to is a shoot that I want to be shooting. That's cool. Um, that's really consistent with the work that I've been doing. So I, I now get to show a lot of the work that I do. But I think about a year ago, yeah, I went through a phase where I went on my Instagram, I went on my website, and I deleted a bunch of content, which is so hard to do because we're so attached to these people in these special times in their lives. But I was just getting so burnt out. I was working so much. And um, now I just I go to work every day and I'm so happy. And the images that I'm producing are on the caliber that I want to be that I want to be shooting. Yeah, so show the work that you want to be shooting, do an edit of your own work, you know, ask someone that's not biased to look at your work and be <laughs> yep. really honest. Like yeah. I, I, so I went to a, a wedding photography workshop at the beginning of the year from Rebecca Yale, who we probably all know in the wedding industry. And she did an edit of all of our websites and it was just shocking the stuff that she said. Mm. And it was so true. Mm-hmm. She was like, you know, this photo is great, but this person has tattoos. And do you want, you know, do you want to be shooting work like that? Which is, which is crazy. I never even have thought about that. Or, you know, flower crowns are so great. They're, they're a younger audience and I don't want to shoot weddings where they wear flower crowns potentially. So just those really just diving really deep into your images Mm -hmm. and, um, really showing the work that you want to be shooting. And, and I think probably most of our listeners figured this out, but we're not suggesting the idea that photographing a tattooed person is a bad thing. It's, it's whether or not that that fits the demo or the target client that you're wanting to go after with your particular brand. That's the the question at hand, the point at hand. And um, I think it's great. I mean, the, the idea of having an outside voice come in and, and, and I think we should do this honestly on a regular basis. We do this at, at photographers edit in one form or another pretty regularly. I get feedback from my team and I ask for the blunt feedback too. 
Um, because I think it's good to get that outside the objective feedback because there is, you know, there's a tendency, even if we're trying to work at improving as a business owner, as a photographer, as a human being, there's a tendency, I think, that we have. It's easy to kind of function with blinders on and not realizing that we're doing something. And I, I think I even alluded to this in a recent podcast episode, but Sean Austin, who's CEO over at Kissbooks, um, he's been on the podcast a number of times. Something that he says that I have a lot of respect for is, or it's a question that he asks, particularly to his wife, Jamie, is, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Like, what's the experience like to be on the other side of me? And if we make a proactive effort to get that kind of feedback on a, not, not just once every you know year or two years or three years or whatever, but regularly, I think there's opportunity for us to continue to improve. Um, so I, I love that, that you suggest that. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me about, um, you know, I, w- I was going to ask you actually here about, about free time, but we're going to get into not only how your your business life has changed, but really more your personal life has changed. Your business has changed as a result of it here in just a little bit. And we'll talk about how you manage time in and amongst those changes. Talk to me briefly about an important business or self-help book that you've read or listened to that you would want to recommend to another photographer. Oh, yes, absolutely. I don't know how much this would relate to photography, but for finances, which I guess is a huge part of any business. I read for the second time at the beginning of this year, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes. I think everyone should read that book. Yeah. It's just amazing. And with what we do and maybe someday wanting to retire and, you know, I'm not going to shoot weddings when I'm 70. <laughs> it's, it's a great, it's a great book. Everyone should read that book. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. I, I remember reading that years ago. And in fact, for whatever reason, this stands out in my mind. I was still reading it at some point. I was, I was sitting in a courtroom. I don't remember if I was there for myself or somebody, like I was in, you know, on a jury, jury duty or something like that. But for whatever reason, I was reading an excerpt of, of that book in a courtroom. But anyway, it's been years. It was truly impactful, really yeah. exhilarating and inspirational. And we'll make sure to link to that book in the show notes as well for those of you who might be curious. Um, when it comes to, and when we talked about the significance of a perspective earlier, this, this will be a perspective changer. Um, yes. I think for, for those of you who are wanting to create a long-term financial stability, just to put it very simply uh, for you, for yourself. Cause yeah, I, I mean, yes, I want to, in some form or fashion, retire. I don't want to work, you know, 60 hours a week for the rest of my life. And, and in fact, for that matter, I want to create a lifestyle right now that enables me to work much, much less than that during the week. So we have to set those goals for ourselves. But then the question is, how do we go about setting ourselves up financially um, this is a big, big element of it for not only the current time, but for the future, we have to think about that stuff. And it can be tough too. Like, I don't know if th- this is something you can relate to Tori, but b- starting a new business and then just kind of being in the craziness of that business, it's easy to forget about the bigger picture. And so we have to take some time to think about that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's really, really good. We'll link to this this book in the show notes. Talk to us about an unusual item in your camera bag. This is another new question that we've I've begun asking since our last interview. What's something unusual in your camera bag? By the way, this doesn't have to be a, a lens or a camera body or a flash. It could literally be anything. Something unusual that enables you to be a better photographer. Yeah, I love this question. I'm I, I'm a big listener of your podcast, so I've gotten some good tips um, from other people. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I had trouble with this one. I was like, God, I, I feel like I just shoot with the generic, you know, the, the Mark III and all the lenses. But um, I would say two things that make my job a lot easier. Um, I work with a fanny pack, which I felt 
so dorky when I first started <laughs> doing it, but it's amazing. I mean, everything I need is right there, and I can even put a lens in mine. I just have a, a Herschel fanny pack that I got on um, Amazon, and I absolutely love it. It was a game changer for me. And I also wear I wear holsters like most photographers, but um, I would say my my fanny pack and my holsters were a huge game changer for me. So everyone go out and get a fanny pack. They're super cool. <laughs> do you do you recommend a particular brand? <laughs> yeah, the Herschel. That's what I have. They're okay. like $25. They're so inexpensive and it's just amazing. And what kind of things will you put in there? Like are these kind of go-to like yeah. CF cards or SD cards or batteries? Absolutely. Like, okay. Yeah, so battery CF cards, um, maybe a power bar, my phone, my wallet, everything that I, you know, if my camera bag were to be stolen um like the cards i never put down the cards that i've shot on so that fanny pack stays on me the entire day yeah i need to walk out and go to the bathroom or go anywhere i have a fanny pack at my second shooter i have a fanny pack that they wear that has all the gear that they need and extra batteries and then everything just stays in there zipped away yeah i mean a lot of camera bags are too big and bulky to carry around and you don't want to have to yeah. worry about keeping track of it. Th- I think there's a really great business opportunity for you here, Tori. You could come up with some line of designer fanny packs for photographers. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. I'm still working on that. That's my retirement plan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, we'll, we'll link to that uh, fanny pack in the show notes too, for all those of you who are curious to see what that looks like. Let's talk about, let's get back to your life changes. Cause I want to um, not only talk about how you've been able to kind of navigate these changes that we referred to at the beginning of the episode personally, and of course, how that's translated to the way that you manage your time and the way that you run your business, but um, how this has affected your business model too. Because, you know, th- the reality is that we're going to all in one form or another face change as business owners. And even if we plan for the future, we talk a lot about this idea of a big picture view here on the podcast. If we're looking at the big picture and we're, we've got long-term goals and, and we've designed our business model to take us to well, ultimately attaining those goals, there may be something that comes along the way that, that changes the way that we can function on a day-to-day basis uh, because of you know maybe in addition to our, our lives, our family, uh, as you've experienced, Tori, or there may be some other change, but there may be a need to flex and to adjust. And so I want to get into how you've made some adjustments to your business model to accommodate this change to your personal life. But as we mentioned, you got married, you've got a little one who's now eight weeks old. Is that right? Yeah, eight weeks today. Yeah. And, and I have to say again, absolutely beautiful. If you follow Tori online, you may have seen a picture pop up. Belle is absolutely gorgeous. And <laughs> Thank um, you. so again, congratulations there. But Thank what are you. what are the biggest changes that you've faced in the way that you've had to manage your time on a day-to-day basis? Oh my goodness. So I I just went back to work about two weeks ago. So I'm, like I said, in the thick of it right now, kind of working it out as I go. But my my work time is essentially cut in half. Wow. So just to give context to like when you say cut in half, how many hours a week were you working before compared to now? So maybe even more than half that I was working a lot. I would say I was working about 60 hours a week. Wow. I never, I never say shoot time is work because I love it so much. I say kind of sitting in front of my computer is work time. So, okay. so let's say 40 hours a week of probably sitting in front of my computer working. And that is just not realistic anymore. Yeah. So my work time is cut in half. And that means I, I probably can't shoot as much, which is the fun part. So I'm in the process of trying to figure out how to really optimize my time sitting at the computer because my work time is so precious and finite. So a few 
changes I was starting to make before I had the baby because I knew this was going to happen. Taking time on my calendar to say when I'm going to work and I sit down and I make the most of those two hours. So I, I turn off my internet, which if we're editing photos, we can do, we don't need internet and, and staying really on the ball while I'm sitting down and working, only checking my email maybe three times a day, which I used to check my email, I don't know, 30 times a day, yeah. just keeping refresh. So those are, those are huge for me. One of the biggest things I did at the beginning of the year is it was my news resolution to not watch Instagram stories. <laughs> I waste so much time watching Instagram stories and just kind of get sucked into this Instagram world or scrolling on Instagram. So I also started um, putting a timer on my phone of saying, you're going to go on Instagram twice a day and you get 10 minutes on Instagram. So I post, maybe I interact with a few other people because that's good for our Instagram yeah. life. So those like back of house are huge things that I've done and just the Instagram thing alone was huge. I was wasting so much time on Instagram. And then the next thing that really has helped me is being a lot pickier about the jobs that I take on. I used to, when someone would inquire, it would be like, yeah, I'm available. When are we doing this? Now I kind of maybe find a little bit more about them and see if it's a good fit. And that has been huge. And I enjoyed my work a lot more because of this. And then one other thing, big thing that I've done was I, I raised my prices pretty substantially which naturally just gets rid of a lot of, of jobs um, that I was doing in the past, which is very hard to do because um, you want, I want to be shooting. That's the fun part, but I was just drowning in work. So, so, so far going back to work two weeks ago, I really have been able to manage it all. I don't feel overwhelmed. I probably work about 20 hours a week now, which is amazing. Yeah, but those are those are my big my big changes. Oh, and I, I have started shooting film, which a little bit of film, so that, that helps my editing time. Yeah, well, and it probably causes you to shoot a little bit less too, right? Absolutely. Like I would say nine out of 10 film shots are keepers, where digital, it's like, 10 shots to 80. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's being generous too. It's probably 10 shots to 200. No, I, and I appreciate the honesty too. I think, you know, early on when, when, at least when social media was relatively new, Instagram in particular was relatively new. I think there was a, uh, we talk about this comparison game that photographers play. I think that was pretty, and even maybe even in some ways more intense back then, because there was this almost subconscious uh, or unconscious naivete that that people had when it came to looking at somebody's images online this almost weird assumption that that image that they're seeing on Instagram came straight out of the camera and it actually looks that good to begin with and I think we still all in some yeah. form or fashion behave that way or assume that way subconsciously uh, but I appreciate the honesty and and there's probably and, and well not even probably there's definitely an incredible amount of time uh, and even cost especially for those who outsource editing work to, to be saved when it comes to shooting significantly less. If we actually treated it like we were shooting film, it would save us time because now we don't have to cull through as many images. It would save us cost because now we don't have to either spend as much time editing ourselves or pay somebody else to edit as many images because we've, we've been more selective in the way that we're photographing. So um, that's, that's just something great to keep in mind, but I have to go back because I, I want to talk through these, these various changes that you've made to your business because what's yes. really cool about this 
is that this is 110% relevant to literally anybody. This isn't just for somebody who's just had a baby or for somebody who just got married or has had experienced some other significant life change. This could literally be for somebody who is like, you know what, right now I'm working 40 hours a week. I didn't get into this to work all the time. I want to work less. These are principles that are applicable and helpful for anybody who just wants to figure out how to work less hours in a week. So you mentioned going from roughly 40 hours a week, maybe even more in some cases, to about 20 hours a week. Um, and the, the changes that you've made, number one, time blocking. Now, was this something, were you an active calendar user uh, before where you would block off periods of time to do this thing or that thing? Or did you use task and project management apps or anything of the sort? Is this a brand new concept for you? No, I I had work hours for myself. So I'd say I would start working at seven and I never would let myself sit on the computer past six. I was really strict about an end time, but I didn't block off time to work. Okay. So this is really new for me. And my, my husband's also a photographer. So we really have had to make schedules for ourselves to share time. Like, Oh, you, you know, from 11 to one you're that's your time at the computer and I'm going to be with the baby and eat food and <laughs> do all those other things. So <laughs> right. no, we're very, really strict about it. And we really help each other. Like, okay, you really need to, be task oriented right now and stay off the internet and not do like 10 other things you need to be doing this. Like you need to get this wedding preview out in the next hour. Like that is your task. Yes. Um, and it is monumentally helpful to my time. Now, do you use a particular app for this time blocking? Do you actually, do you just use like a regular Google calendar? And then when, when you're using whatever the app is, do you actually segment chunks of the day off based on how you're going to spend that time? So we use Google Calendar. I don't, I've tried to use some of the software and I'm just such a creature of habit. I'm so used to just Google or Gmail Calendar, I guess. And it works really well for us. I do it for everything. So yeah, we just invite each other to a task and, and block it off. And it works really great. You know, the thing about Google too, that I don't think is, at least I've not heard discussed much, at least in the, the photo industry is the not only the reliability factor, because I I remember when um, I used to use the app, I was kind of just like 110% in the Apple ecosphere, including the calendars and had some issues with syncing and and keeping data and everything being like being the way that it was supposed to be. And I moved over to Google, not only for the calendar and contacts, but for email as well. And first of all, the consistency and uptime and reliability of this of the web based software is incredible. Number one, two, and maybe even more important, it is fast as can be. I don't have to wait for a software to sync or to upload or whatever. It's just this immediate response. And that is really helpful, especially, again, if you want to dial in the efficiency of your workflow. And, of course, Google is so easy to share because most people are familiar with the platform. It's also easy to share something with someone, including a calendar or a task, as you pointed out, Tori. And um, so I, I think it's great. I mean, there are so many options out there, but when you have a great tool right in front of you that works well, yeah. that does the job, um, why not free. stick to it? And it's free, for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's such yeah. A, that's a great thing. Okay. So number one was time blocking. Um, the second thing you mentioned was checking email three times a day. And this is this is interesting because... I think most photographers leave their notifications on on their phone and on their their laptop or their desktop uh, for email and for you know fifty other things as well. And it's easy to get distracted and carried away and and get into that thing. And now you're lost in a conversation. Or you're stressed out because somebody's complaining. You feel like you have to deal with it now, but it can't be. And and yep. things just get chaotic. 
this idea of checking email three times a day, I think is a brilliant idea. Do you have particular times during the day that, that you check it and do you leave notifications off otherwise? Yeah. So I, I don't have any, no, I don't get notified about anything on my phone, not Instagram, no social media, no email. Like you said, it can really mentally pull you away, especially if someone's complaining or it's, it's just crazy how it pulls you away from the task that you're doing. So I, I generally check it morning, lunch, and I don't know, I guess around like four o'clock. So I have time to do things before my end time at 6 PM. Yeah. And it's, it's huge. Um, I, I respond to weddings within 24 hours. If I get a wedding inquiry or any inquiry, I try to respond within 24 hours. So that definitely gives me enough time to do all those things. I have email templates. So my email it's pretty easy to respond to people. Yeah. And it's, it's been a game changer. I mean, obviously there's days where if I get an email in the morning and I know they're going to reply right away, I, I may check it more than three times, but it's just a good, it's just good to try to stick to that. Because like I said, I was probably checking my email like 30 times a day before. And that, that is not helpful for anyone. No. Well, and I'm going to get to this here in a second, but I, I think it, it follows what you were alluding to earlier as well, regarding social media there. It is so easy, especially if notifications are left on, to, to jump to Instagram or to jump to Facebook and see what's going on there. And it becomes this habit where even if we didn't do it consciously, and then I'll, I'll just speak from personal experience, there's, there is a kind of an avoidance uh, behavior that's going on, which is you're going to the easy thing to do, which is to click on that notification and look at Instagram versus addressing something, you know, in your business that, that is going to be way, way more important for the present and for the long term than yeah. clicking on a notification and, and looking at what somebody put on their Instagram story. So uh, this this holds true with email as well. Uh, I know I've mentioned this, I would assume, at, at some point in time. But anyway, email as instant messenger is something that we need to get away from as well. Email, uh, it was meant to replace kind of our experience with snail mail back in the day. Yes. And, and I think we should treat it as such. This is long-form communication, maybe in some cases not quite as long. But go to it once, twice, maybe three times a day. My, my team knows that my communication time is around, you know, two to three o'clock in the afternoon. Now I will make exceptions. And and Tori, you pointed out that you make exceptions as well. That's the cool thing about being our own boss is we get to change the rules occasionally. But as a general rule in the afternoon is my communication time. I know that if I get into email earlier in the day, personally, that can also drag me away from focusing on certain things that will drive my business forward more effectively. And so whether it's in the morning, you know, once or twice in the morning or a couple of times in the afternoon, whatever it is, for those of you listening in, start to create a schedule for yourself for managing communication. And I actually lump social media together with email as part of that communication process. And I can do way better at being consistent in managing or being in that schedule. But uh, creating that structure for ourselves will help us focus and get the things done that will actually make a bigger impact in our business. And, and we can't stress that enough. So this is good time blocking, um, checking email three times a day. And then the third thing that you talked about was Instagram. And you mentioned spending about 10 minutes a day in Instagram, spending less time on Instagram stories, which into themselves, I mean, this is an interesting, and I'd be curious to get your take on this. I know for me personally that, that Instagram stories, well, I, I see the significance of it in sharing my personal life and the less uh, shall we say, um, cold version of my personal life, uh, because my personal life does affect what I do in the industry and, and the business. Um, I've not personally seen a ton of value and the, the amount of time that it can take to create an Instagram story or a number of Instagram stories through the day, uh, or the potential, I guess, drawback to the experience of spending time with somebody else. And I'm like, Oh shoot, I got to, I got to 
shoot an Instagram story so I can tell everybody what I'm doing. Um, I don't know that the return on that investment in time and, and the takeaway from focusing on whoever is in front of me, actually physically in front of me, has been worth it enough for my brand. Now, I know that some photographers see significant value, look so much of their business as a result. In fact, uh, we had a Ren here on the podcast who talked about how much, if not all of her business, at least at one point, was coming as a result of her Instagram story. So there are different models wow. here. but. I, I'm wondering, Tori, did you see a drop-off in the way that clients or potential clients engaged with your brand when you started spending less time on stories? No. And what I meant, more what I meant by stories is I don't watch stories of other people. Okay. I would say I probably post as many Instagram stories as I used to, which is not a lot, but... Like three, four times a day, five times a day? Like, what, is, what does that look like? Oh, posting? Yeah. No. Oh, no. I, I would only post... I would say I'd only post on shoot days because I, I used to shoot with my husband and he would take behind the scene footage. Okay, cool. And that I saw a huge drop from because my couples would always be nervous going into shoot. So I think that really helped them seeing kind of how I work behind the scenes. But yeah, I really don't post that much on Instagram stories. I, I more meant it as I don't watch them, which is a huge black hole. I, I think for a little while, I was trying to post a lot more on my Instagram stories. And like you said, it just takes you out of what you're doing. I'm I'm not branding myself in that I want people to know what kind of coffee I drink and what workout I'm doing. And people don't necessarily know that much about my personal life. Sure. My, like I said before, my images kind of speak for themselves. So I don't see a lot of value in Instagram stories, but like you said, some people that is their jam. Like that's why people are going to hire them because they are like, Oh, I want to be friends with you. You, I want you to be my photographer because we're so in line personally. And, that has never been my, that has never been my brand. And I, I naturally think my clients are like me because I don't share a lot of my personal life online. Interesting. Which is funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, but to your earlier point, put out there what you want, right? So, exactly. so behave in the way that, that would engage a client to maybe behave similarly. We can relate to that, that kind of approach to life. And, and yes, to reiterate what you're saying, I'm not suggesting that those who actually see benefit for their business from Instagram stories, get off their stories. That the cool thing about the conversations here on the podcast is that we're throwing all kinds of ideas and all kinds of workflows out there. And you can take what works for you and for your business model and for your goals in life and your business and, and leave the rest. What I think is good in this conversation here is to lend perspective to those who are listening in about the significance of maybe minimizing or not even minimizing, but just cutting back a little bit on the time spent. And that would enable you to focus time elsewhere that might potentially see more benefit to your business and certainly in this case to your personal life. So um, that's just, it's another perspective. And and I like that perspective. Instagram 10 minutes a day. Honestly, I've kind of gone to this as well. I mean, I for the sake of of perusing for for lack of a better phrase personal enjoyment when i i like to to look at motorcycles i I ride motorcycles this is kind of the the one hobby that i have and i love looking at motorcycles but outside of that as far as actually spending time in an instagram feed and scrolling through and feeling like i need to see what everybody is doing i've not i've not seen a ton of value in that um for me personally for my my brand now we have a whole separate set of instagram accounts for the podcast uh, for photographers edit. And I'm lucky enough to have Haley who also produces this podcast to, to oversee the process, the management of those accounts. But again, I I think there's at least consideration to be had for the, the amount of time that we're spending in our Instagram, because there could be opportunity to cut back a little bit there 
and spend a little bit more time somewhere else and we'd see value in our personal and business life. So again, I appreciate you sharing your perspective. So that the time blocking was the first, second was what's checking email three times a day. The third was cutting back in the amount of time in Instagram. Number four, being pickier about the jobs that you take on. And um, maybe we can kind of couple with number five, raising your prices. This is an interesting combo of things, especially when you know you're going to be spending less time. So then the, the question becomes like, how can I shoot enough in order to bring in the same or relatively the same amount of income that I did before? Um, this could be a little bit of a nerve wracking process, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was very tricky at first. So how quickly did you make a change in not only the process of filtering for your new clients, but also raising your prices. Was this something you did immediately? Was it a process of a few months as you were getting ready to have your baby? And and what did that look like? I would say, so going into last year's wedding season, which started about April for me, so 2018 wedding season, um, I had about 30 weddings on the calendar, which is the most I've ever shot. And I remember after shooting the first wedding, I just felt like such a sinking feeling like, Oh my God, I can't believe I signed up for this. Um, it's so fun to book jobs and send contracts and you feel so good about yourself. Like, Oh my God, people want me. And I think I got wrapped up in that. And I got married at the end of last wedding season. So kind of going into last wedding season, I was like, all right, I'm doing this. I signed up for this. It's going to be great, but I cannot do this next year. And that's before I even knew I was going to have the baby. So I'm so glad I mentally made that shift before. Yeah. But as we all know, we book weddings out year, year and a half in advance. So going into last year's wedding season, I really had to retool, change my prices. Going into it, I knew I'm like, take the best possible images you can so that you can double your prices next year. Mm. Um, pr- prove your worth doubling your prices wow. so that so that people want to pay that for you. Um so that was huge. So last year I shot about 30 weddings. This year I'm shooting 13, which I'm so excited about. Wow. I Every single bride I'm working with this year I think is just the sweetest going into every day. I'm excited. I'm excited about the, the venues, the work I'm going to be doing. Um, and it just makes the day so much more enjoyable. It's not even just about the money. It's just it's just so enjoyable for me and I, I get really excited about it. And then since I'm only shooting those 13 weddings, I have so much more time to do other projects that I'm really excited about as well, because my business isn't just weddings. So taking a lot more newborn maternity shoots, I shoot with a few influencers in the Bay area, which I love to do. They're my friends now. And and that adds a ton of work to my portfolio because Mm. People who follow influencers and love those influencers, if you take all their photos, it's like meeting a celebrity. They're like, oh my God, you take the photos for this person. So <laughs> that, that's been huge for me too. That's cool. Well, and you never know where those, those jobs that don't seem totally relevant to what you normally focus on, how that can ultimately drive more business to your wedding or your, your normal portrait work, which is, which is really totally. cool. But raising your price, I mean, raising your prices a few hundred bucks, that's one thing, right? But doubling your prices yeah, it's huge. I mean, are there any things, any elements of that process for our listeners to consider? Because that's such a massive jump. And I love that you just dove in and went for it. But how did you did you prep for that? Was it just like one night you changed the number on your website? Like, how, how did you go about that process? Yeah, I don't have any of my prices on my website, which is which is nice. So I've I I send out pricing information when people reach out to me. So like I said, I I went into last year's season and I was really overwhelmed. So 
I, I did the jump right away. Um, and I, I did the math, so I wasn't nervous. I wasn't like, Oh my God, if I, I'm so used to booking so many weddings. What if I'm not booking that many? I did the math. I knew how many weddings I needed to book. Um, I knew how many portrait shoots I needed to book to make the amount of money that I wanted to make. It was nerve wracking for the first few inquiries when it's kind of radio silence and you don't hear anything or you hear people back like, oh, hey, that's way too expensive for me. And you just have to be like, you know, that's, I'm so sorry, but this is, this is what it is. My prices are now based on my, they're not based on your budget. They're based on my artistic ability. And I felt really confident with the work that I had been doing to raise my prices. And I also, you know, if a wedding came in that I thought I really wanted to shoot and they were like, you know, that's a little too expensive for me, I still can put together a package of like, you know, okay, I'm going to do your engagement session for free. And there's, there's certain ways we can retool it, but, um, it's just good to have that, that high benchmark to go off of. You can kind of negotiate from there too, which I've done on a couple of weddings that I'm really excited about. And when we're talking about the idea of being pickier with the clients that that we're taking on, does the price, does the higher price point automatically filter for those clients that you're actually wanting to take on at this point? Or how else are you filtering for those clients? It definitely, the price definitely filters people. I can also get a sense, just the questions that people ask when they reach out. I try to have a, a phone call with every couple to get to know if we are a good fit. But yeah, price, I would say, is is the main factor. And showing the work that I'm showing, like I said before, is huge. I used to show everything, and now that has really, really helped book the work that I want to be booking. And people, I post so much online, people who are reaching out, they're not reaching out because they're looking just for a photographer. They're reaching out saying, oh, my friend refers you, or, oh, I've been following your work for a long mm. time. Like They're making it a part of their budget to hire me and maybe not having as many flowers or as many other things because they want to hire me, which is huge. So I think really creating a brand for yourself makes such a big difference. Yeah. And being consistent in the delivery of that. that that's really great. I have to say too, like I'm on your, your website right now. I mean, you, you communicate your voice, even as we're chatting here, communicates a certain level of calm and confidence. And I'm sure that affects the way that your potential clients engage with you. Um, there is, I'm, I'm on your website as well. And there's a certain amount of calm and confidence, even in, in your website, which is, I'm not trying to scream my personality out there to you. I don't have to be seen. I I'm, this is who I am and this is yeah. what I do. And you can kind of, in the kindest way possible, you can take it or leave it. And, and I love that. Yeah. I, I love the, the cleanliness and the simplicity of the brand. And again, the, the calm and confidence with which you carry yourself in your brand. I think it's a really beautiful thing. Oh. And again, for our listeners, if you haven't seen Tori's website, if you go to Tori, T-O-R-R-E-Y, Fox.com, you can see what I'm talking about. Uh, so just again, to sum up everything that we talked about, time blocking, checking email three times a day, less time on Instagram, being pickier about the clients or the, the, the jobs that you're taking on, raising prices, which closely coincides with, with the last point. And then lastly, number six is shooting film. Was this a, a change that you made around the same time? Uh, was it specifically to affect the, the type of clients that you were working with and the higher price point you were charging? What was the impetus for the change? Yeah, so I've, I've always loved film. Um, and I definitely think it calls for a higher price point. A lot of people now even know about film, like they'll inquire saying, oh, do you, do you shoot film? I want you to shoot film. Um, I still don't really shoot film on wedding days. I'm all digital. But for a lot of my portrait work, I have been shooting a lot of film. Number one, because I think it's very beautiful. That's that's why I do it. But oh, yeah. it 
it does really cut down on editing time, mm. which is, which is huge. You know, I, I get the scans back and, and they look 95% there. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people know about it and are asking for it. So why not do it? Um, but I don't, I don't really advertise myself that way because I still want to be able to make the decision. Like if I think digital is going to look better, I don't want somebody to be like, Oh, what shots are film? Like I, that would stress me out. So yeah, I kind of, I kind of just put the work out there and I don't advertise either way. Cause I know a lot of photographers say they're fine art photographers. I know I haven't really gone there yet. That's fair, but that, that's smart too. I mean, you're managing expectations in that way and, and, yeah. uh, it lets you kind of experiment a little bit. Are you shooting 35 or medium format or a combo? I shoot both. So I, I like to do a lot of medium format, but for family shoots and babies, sometimes it can be a little tricky. Yeah. So I have a 35 that I can just kind of shoot away and I can use all my Canon lenses on it. So it makes it a lot easier than the slow old. I got a contacts medium format that is so fun and so beautiful. But yes, um, yeah, so I shoot a bit of both and I, I absolutely have been loving it. Well, it, these are all things, um, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, obviously this has had a massive impact on the way that you're able to continue to run your business despite being newly married, despite being a new mother. And I, I love that you went about this in a, in a seemingly very proactive manner. But as I, as I emphasized earlier, these principles are all relevant to literally anyone listening in who wants to figure out a way to save a little bit of time in their work week so that they can do something else. And it could be just to spend more time in a particular area of your business, but there are ways in which we can run our businesses more efficiently uh, or in a more focused manner so that we have more time for whatever it is that we want to spend that time on. And I think that's the biggest lesson here. And and I really can't thank you enough, Tori, for coming back on the podcast and making a little bit of time amidst all that you have going on to share with our <laughs> listeners today. Can you just share one more time where they can find you and follow you online? Yeah. So my website, Tori, T-O-R-R-E-Y-F-O-X.com. Same spelling on Instagram, just Tori Fox. Um, and that's pretty much the two platforms I'm on to save time. <laughs> Perfect. And, and we'll link to these. As I mentioned, for these you listening in, go to Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. We'll link to these in the show notes there. Take advantage of the notes from today's episode, the links as well. Haley does an incredible job of putting that all together there for you. So take advantage for sure. Thanks once again, Tori, for hanging out with us on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much, Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Come.